0: Writing is a hobby or job that brings joy to many. It's used as a means of escapism, a way to unleash one's imagination or to bring a message to any and all people who read it. We understand that books, even books that tell truly terrifying tales are meant purely as an exercise of the imagination. And we often admire those who pen them. But that isn't to say that writers with sinister secrets don't exist within our world. In today's episode of Cold Case Detective, we'll be taking a look at three writers who turned into killers. Richard Horne. Richard Horne was born in Coventry in Warwickshire, England on May 9th, 1960 to Derek and Josephine Horne and spent much of his early life on a farm. He attended boarding school through his childhood and finished his education at Reckon College in Shropshire. Richard moved to Edinburgh in 1978 where he adopted the pen name, Harry Horse. Richard was a renowned children's author, known for books such as The Castaways, which earned him the Nestle Smarties Book Prize and The Last Polar Bears, which was made into a children's cartoon. He published his first book, which featured the Loch Ness Monster in 1983. Not only a talented writer and illustrator, Richard also performed as the singer in a Scottish bluegrass band called Swamp Trash, which formed in Edinburgh in 1987. He also fronted a band named Hexology. In 1993, he designed, created, and wrote a point and click adventure game called Drowned God, Conspiracy of the Ages. In 1989, while Swamp Trash performed a gig in Shetland, Richard met Mandy Williamson, a fish packer and nursing auxiliary. The couple had a whirlwind relationship and wed in 1990. Having a happy marriage, until Mandy became ill with multiple sclerosis. The pair moved to Shetland in 2004, so they could be closer to Mandy's parents. However, beneath Richard's illustrious career and the face he wore in public, a storm was brewing. On January 10th, 2007, Richard, 46, and his wife Mandy, 39, were found slain in their Westboro, Shetland Islands home. At first, the newspapers reported the couple's deaths as a, quote, final act of love. Mandy had been wheelchair-bound for some time and had difficulties speaking. Islanders and mainstream media assumed that Richard and his wife had entered into a suicide pact. Mandy was terminally ill, and the children's author just couldn't live without her, so they decided to go out together. That was the narrative that was sold. The details of the deaths were kept from the public for over a year until Richard's mother eventually revealed the truth. Mandy had been stabbed by Richard over 30 times, with such viciousness that the first blade handle had broken, so he used a second to finally take Mandy's life from her. She had defensive wounds all over her arms. Next, Richard killed the family pets, a cat and a dog, before he finally turned the blade on himself. He stabbed himself 47 times, collapsing on the bed next to his wife and bleeding out. Earlier that day, friends of the couple had visited them. Reportedly, Richard was in a, quote, demented state, saying, quote, it's a wonderful night for a killing. Mandy, frightened by her husband's words and manner, didn't want their friends to leave, but they did for unknown reasons. When they returned the next morning at around 9.40 a.m. for a belonging they'd left behind, they found the gruesome bloodbath. Mandy's murder was the first in Shetland in over 15 years. The scene was so horrifying that the doctor who'd attended had to take time off work afterwards, traumatized by what he had seen. When the truth came out, Richard's true nature became clear to Unlockers. In the months leading up to the vicious slaying, he'd cut off contact with his friends and family and had become increasingly volatile with an explosive temper. The worse Mandy's illness got, the more uncontrollable her husband's rage became. Reportedly, the children's author had described Shetland as a living hell and asked his friends to imagine what it was like to attend the bodily functions of the woman he loved. Drug paraphernalia was found inside the house. And while Richard was a regular user of marijuana and known to take ecstasy, he'd apparently taken a cocktail of drugs on the night in question, but it is unknown what exactly he consumed. Despite the brutality of the crime, Richard is still fondly remembered by other writers and his disturbing dark side seems to have gone largely unnoticed online. Richard Klinkhammer. Richard Klinkhammer, born on March 15th, 1937 in the Netherlands, did not have the most pleasant of upbringings. As a young child, his mother engaged in an affair with an SS officer and during the war, she was sexually assaulted by another German soldier. Upon her return to Holland, she had her head shaved by vigilante locals during an ugly carnival and had to resort to sex work to make ends meet. As a young man, Richard enlisted and fought as a part of the French foreign legion. And as an author, he began to use his real life experiences in war and petty crime to write his books. He particularly drew on his military experience when writing his first book, Obedient as a Dog, in which he told the reader that the first thing one is taught in the French Foreign Legion is to kill. And the second is how to dispose of a body. Richard's writing career neither failed nor made him a huge success. He was not well known in his home country. By the time Richard met Hanny Godfrenen, he had been divorced once already. Hanny was a pediatric nurse and was blindly infatuated with her new partner, who was 10 years her senior. Reportedly, Hanny had her own tragic past. At nine years old, in July of 1957, she had found her mother's deceased body. Maria, 46, had been executed by Hanny's father, who had thrown her downstairs before bludgeoning her with a hammer. Richard and Hanny had a happy marriage for some time until the writer began to drink heavily, reportedly a result of the couple's financial troubles. Upon drinking heavily, Richard would physically abuse his wife. When this occurred, Hanny would flee to her friends for safety, but unfortunately, she always returned to her husband again. It was 1991 when Hanny went missing from the couple's home in Hondurage Wolf. And when he reported his wife missing, Richard told authorities that he had found her bike at a nearby train station. According to an article in the Guardian, the couple's home was searched Dogs were utilized, infrared scanners were used, and the garden was dug up, but no evidence of the missing woman was ever found. This didn't stop police suspicions, however, especially when friends told of the domestic abuse that had taken place in the last few years. Richard was brought in for questioning several times and even detained once, but without concrete evidence, police couldn't bring charges against the writer. A year after the disappearance of his wife, Richard went to a publisher with a new manuscript, which detailed seven ways in which he could have killed his wife. The book was called Wednesday Mints Day, and it set out various scenarios in which one might murder their spouse. One reportedly involved the killer running pieces of flesh through a meat grinder and feeding it to the pigeons. The manuscript was ultimately rejected for being too gruesome. At this time, Richard's publisher began to have his own suspicions that Richard was involved in the disappearance of his wife. But when he asked the writer, Richard apparently responded with, quote, "'It's not yet the time to talk about it.'" In 1997, Richard sold the home he'd shared with Hanny and moved with his new girlfriend to Amsterdam. Details of the writer's gory manuscript began to leak to the underground Dutch press, and Richard began to enjoy more success than ever when he was asked to appear on some TV shows. Richard seemed hardly bothered that people thought he was involved with his wife's disappearance. In fact, he seemed to enjoy it, often answering accusations with cryptic remarks and dark jokes. Then three years later in 2000, the new occupants of the house decided to get rid of the shed in the garden. Workers who were renovating there found a human skull and skeletal remains beneath the concrete floor in the garden shed. It was the evidence that the Dutch authorities had been waiting for, for nearly a decade. Dental records confirmed that the remains belonged to Hanny. On February 3rd, 2000, age 62, Richard was finally arrested for the execution of his 43-year-old wife. He hadn't reported her missing for six days after he'd taken her life and told authorities that he had beaten her to death during an argument on January 31st, 1991. Afterwards, he dug a hole in the shed, dumped her body and filled the hole with concrete. He reportedly used compost to disguise the rotting smell. While the general gist of what happened that day seems to be the same across all accounts, none of them agree on what weapon was used. Some articles state that it was a wooden bat or a handle of something, whilst others have mentioned that a crowbar or wrench was used. Regardless of what weapon was utilized, the outcome was the same. A 43-year-old woman had her life stolen by her angry, abusive husband. It's not an uncommon story, but it's one that's tragic all the same. In 2001, Richard was sentenced to just seven years in prison. Even more disturbingly is that he was released from prison in 2003 for good behavior. In 2007, his controversial manuscript was finally published. Even eerier yet, it seemed to bring with it a cult-like fandom, with fans of Richard creating projects on him and visiting him to get photographs, while his neighbors still considered him a, quote, good man, despite the atrocities he committed. Richard took his own life in 2016, aged 72. Lu Yongbiao, On November 29th, 1995, two men checked into a house in Huzhu, a city in the northern Zhejiang province of China. The pair had hatched a plan to rob the other guests in the retreat, However, their plans were foiled when a guest caught the two stealing. So to make sure they didn't get caught, the pair decided to commit the ultimate crime and end the man's life using clubs and hammers. However, the brutality didn't stop there. To make sure they'd covered their tracks, they proceeded to take out the guest house's owners, an elderly couple, and their 13-year-old grandson. The crime scene was carnage. What was worse for the Chinese authorities was that there was no CCTV installed at the guest house and there was no formal guest book, meaning that law enforcement had nothing to go on. As a result, the two perpetrators escaped justice for over two decades. Meanwhile, a man named Liu Yongbiao became a prominent Chinese crime writer to moderate success, penning several novels in the 2000s, including his most well-known named the Guilty Secret. In the preface to this book, he discussed the idea of writing a story about an author who gets away with committing a series of murders. He also had plans to write another book with a female protagonist called The Beautiful Woman Who Killed. He had hopes that this novel would be adopted for the big screen and had previously had one book, a work of historical fiction, turned into a 50 episode TV series. The books themselves had won him several awards. Little did anyone know that Lou was basing these books on his own experience with several homicides. At the original crime scene in 1995, authorities had, of course, gathered evidence, including a cigarette butt. At the time, the DNA did not match anyone in any kind of law enforcement database, but the DNA was kept on file. In 2017, the authorities traveled over 15 provinces looking for suspects. They compared the DNA on file to that of data on over 60,000 people in the space of two months. Then at last, their hard work paid off. The DNA matched the clan name Liu in Nanling. From here and through meeting the clan, the police locked down Lu Yongbiao as a suspect. On August 8th, 2017, two undercover policemen arrived at Liu's door, posing as researchers who were looking into his family tree. When they asked him for a DNA sample, he agreed. Later, Liu said he suspected the pair were cops, but felt like his time was coming to an end and he was tired of living with the guilt and the images in his head. A few days later, on August 11th, Liu Yongbiao was arrested, age 53. He had sent his wife and daughter away so they wouldn't witness him being placed in handcuffs and had contacted his accomplice, Wang Mooming, to tell him that the pair should face their fate. He left a letter for his wife, admitting to his crimes and telling her of his mental torment over the years. In later statements, Liu admitted that the criminals had slain the guesthouse lodger because, quote, he looked wealthy, but all they found on him was a watch, a ring, and the equivalent of little over $1 in cash. He also told how the bloody scenes and gruesome details had haunted him and were, quote, worse than dying and stated that the executions had been so inhumane that he should, quote, die 100 times for committing them. Liu and Wang were found guilty of robbery and homicide in the first degree and were sentenced to death on July 30th, 2018. Despite Liu's successful literary career, It seems unlikely that any of his remaining unpublished manuscripts will ever see the light of day. And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations. And remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. If you're still hungry for true crime content, you can also check out the Cold Case Detective podcast by following the link below. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe,